Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. All right, I know you want to get to the podcast, so I'm going to keep this short. Opera Box Score needs your donation to retain its title as America's talk radio show about opera. You can give on our website, operaboxscore.com slash donate. When you throw even 10 bucks our way, it helps us promote the show to more listeners. Just 20 bucks helps cover our website costs. Chip in 50 bucks and we can pay to wax Tobias's back. But for real, please consider a donation of any amount to help us continue to bring you our hot takes on everything opera-related. Operaboxscore.com slash donate. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Hey, wherever you are... However you're listening, welcome to America's Talk radio show about opera, period. I'm your host, George Cedarquist. We're live on WNUR 89.3 FM, Evanston, Chicago. All right, now look, you want your voice heard, right? 847-866-WNUR is our number in studio. What's your opinion on what we're talking about tonight? Call us live on air, 847-866-9687. We're also streaming live on WNUR.org slash pop-up. All right, tonight we celebrate 100, count them, 100 episodes of America's Talk radio show about opera. Our whole team will be on the air. Plus, we bring back co-host the lovely Giovanna Jacques. She was there at the very beginning. We're going to bring you the highs and lows of opera stories and productions from 2017. Plus, we're going to play you the very first pilot we ever did for opera box score and then it's the two-minute drill you're going to get all your opera headlines from the past week and our hot takes on them that's at 9 40 uh, p.m got a great show for you tonight we're going to go down memory lane a little bit we're going to talk about the recent past of 2017 and then going all the way back when this show first started i'll tell you guys a story new year's day 2015 i was making my traditional pot of chili as i always do and i i thought why is there not a radio show which took opera content and put it into sports talk radio format it just seemed so obvious maybe it was maybe it was the hair of the dog maybe it was all the boozing from the night before but it just it made total sense that there was this real overlap between opera and between sports, two things that I care passionately about. Apart from my family, it's hard to think of anything I like more than opera and sports, right? So first of all, you have these fanatical fans in opera and in sports, people who will pay top dollar to see these events take place, who know all the names, who know the history, who want to be there for magical once-in-a-lifetime moments. And then I started to extend the metaphors. Like, well, in opera, you've got these singers. In sports, you've got players. In opera, you've got directors and conductors and administrators. And in sports, you've got coaches. And the parallels just kept stacking up and up and up. So I also knew that this it had to be a live radio show, right? Because good sports talk radio, which is what I grew up in back in Michigan, was always a live thing. Why? Because you needed people to be able to call in and rant about the Red Wings, the Tigers. Same thing for opera. We wanted people to be able to call in and rant about 
shows that they'd seen, singers that they thought were phenomenal, singers that they thought had tanked. We wanted to provide a platform for people to, to go off a little bit. And it turned into this show called Opera Box Score. We, I thought of a whole bunch of different titles, trying to mix sports and opera. We went through some logos. We have a phenomenal logo now designed by one of our uh, past co-hosts, Dinah Fisher, her husband, I think husband now, fiancé at that time. Uh, and then I needed to get some colleagues. And I knew I needed two people right away, two people that really knew opera. I needed someone that really knew sports, and I really wanted to have a female voice on a radio. And that is where I came across two colleagues of mine. Firstly, Tobias Wright, sitting to my left in the studio. Somehow we made it to episode 100. This is fantastic. It's great to have you on the show, buddy. <laughs> great to be here, George. And my other fantastic colleague, Giovanna Jacques. Giovanna. Hi. Calling in from, where are you now? Are you in Paris? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Nope, I am home here in Chicago. In your pajamas? Definitely. Definitely not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, look, I got to ask you guys, when I first pitched you this idea, wh what was your initial thought? I don't think I've ever actually asked you this before. What was your initial thought, Toby, about that? Well, I had had a few whiskeys, so I was very enthused. Um, no, but I remember, you know, we had just done a show. Um, and we were out and you asked me if I, you know, knew any, listened to sports talk radio. And of course I've been a huge sports talk radio fan for years because I grew up in Kansas. So I had the Kansas city radio guys when I was at the university of Kansas. And I, there was personalities there that got to voice opinions in a way that not many people do. And they got paid, um, to just talk about something they were passionate about. So I would love that. And then of course in Chicago, you have, you know, ESPN 1000 and then 670 the score. And those are the guys that I listened to. And I mean, you talk about dealing with a whole bunch of opinions you know they were talking about chicago sports teams and for the most part largely well lately we've had you know the cups won the world series but they were talking about failing sports teams and and yet they kept the conversation going and i i always liked that and so when you asked me i was like whoa that makes a lot of sense george why wouldn't we do that <laughs> javada what, what were you thinking when i was like hey do you want to do this thing i think i was at the same party that toby is referring to um, where you approached both of us about it. And I remember my first thought was, I could not know less about sports. <laughs> I just couldn't. There's no way I could. And, but I do know about opera, and I do like talking about opera. Um, the changing world of opera and blah, 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 broken record. And I thought, man, this is really cool. And honestly, any projects that involve George Peterquist and Toby Wright are product projects that are dear to my heart too so. kind wow too kind yes <laughs> well look let, let's go down memory lane here and let's listen to uh, i think this this is either the first or the second pilot that we did it was either in it, this is when we were podcasting still we hadn't made it to radio we hadn't made it to wnur yet uh that was the dream and it was this was either in my room uh or in my studio yes yes exactly i'll leave your mics on so you guys can comment on <laughs> on what you're hearing here Oh, God, this intro was so long. <laughs> Just applause. Live but they were cheering for us, Chicago. George, and that's all that really matters. You're I'm, like, listening. listening. To opera box score. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. Good old Norm was doing the intros. He still is. Oh, man, all that dead air. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'm trying to think of what we talked about in the first episode. And I remember doing the recording in, in Giovanna's studio. And just yeah. like, <laughs> and thinking, God, this is uh, being terrified, actually. That was back when. Oh, I thought it's all about the two mainstays of summer. Mosquitoes and light beer. Nope, wait, I meant opera festivals and opera camps. We go around the country to bring you quick hits on the best and worst summer opera festivals. We also examine the many summer opera programs designed for emerging singers. This was in Some of which give singers their yeah. big break, others which just break the bank. With Tobias already on summer vacation, our guest co-host is Todd von Felker. I'm not even in this! He has also sung the national You're not in this one. Games I hate everything. Bulls. We talked to him about opera, Where was I? fatherhood, and why singing the Star-Spangled Banner is so darn hard. Uh, it, was, it was so earnest. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Todd von Velker, of course. Younger, George. I do, I do. <laughs> well, yeah, I, it's because I've taken up smoking. <laughs> Get that radio voice. <laughs> that'll okay. do it. That'll that'll, that'll do, do it. it. Hey, uh, Giovanna, 2017 in review. What for you have been the a high and a low from the past year in Opera Land? I think anyone who has started listening to the show from the beginning knows what a huge fan I am of the Festival d'Aix en Provence in the south of France. And um, this summer I happened to be in France, which was wonderful, and they did a production Drink. of Carmen. <laughs> and Carmen, instead of you know being the, how should I say, the temptress that she is, was a therapist. And they said it as though Jose and Escamillo and everyone were, were, were clients of hers. And it's bold. It was done by a Russian guy named Dmitry Chernikov. Um, it was bold, and it was different, but it was incredible. And it was such a different, like, view of Carmen. And, and really, you know, there's that, that visa is incredible, but it can, it can turn so... That beauty can turn so poisonous, and I think that they did a really good job of conveying that message. Chernyakov is a fantastic director. I've, I've yeah. seen his work on Parsifal, yeah, and, and he's been at the this, Met before. So yeah, this he's... regular guy, Dimitri. Dimitri, this little guy, Dima. You know, uh, and that was at the X Festival. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh, was there any other shows that you saw in the U.S. that were particularly fabulous from the past year for you? I mean, there was this one from Chicago Fringe Opera, but oh, I'm not really allowed to talk about it. Yeah, don't, don't, you don't need to, you don't need to hump that. What about the, what about the lows for you when you're thinking either shows or news stories from the past year? What, what are you like? What are you going to be glad to be rid of as we get into 2018? Oh man, any Mozart set in today's time, literally any Mozart opera set in today's time. I could do away with, and I can think of a couple that I saw over the last year. I don't really want to talk smack about companies, but sure. I, I'm ready to move on yeah. from Mozart set in modern times. How about you, Tobias? What, what are your, your highs and lows from 2017? It's Opera Box Score, WNUR, 89.3 FM. Um, well, just really selfishly speaking, um, I had a really exciting year. I got to do... Um, 
you know, I did a couple young artist programs. I obviously performed with Chicago Fringe, and I got to really grow a lot as a performer. And I felt like I grew a lot as a singer, too. And so, you know, you, you asked us before we came in, what shows did we see? And honestly, I didn't see any shows that I, that I wasn't in. And I had the opportunity to be uh, in 10 different operas this year. I've done over 100 performances, been away, haven't slept in my bed much, or cuddled with my roommates, which has been crazy. But um, I had a really good 2017, and I learned that I love performing more than I ever thought I could. And so imagining a life without, yeah, and and imagining a life without performing actually scares me a little bit. And so I'm more motivated than ever to really hone my craft, learn my languages, focus on my technique and make sure that I do everything in my control to, to be able to continue to pursue that passion. Right on. Good for you, Toby. Thank you, my friend. How about a low point for you, Toby, in terms of, I mean, you said you didn't see any shows, but in terms of, you know, news stories, hirings, firings, gossip, what was... Well, I think it's, uh, you know, with the Me Too movement, um, that's a low point for me in this business. Um, It's a low point because if you are in the business, you know someone who's on both sides of it. Um, and I, that's a low point because there's a lot of people who have to really take a hard look in the mirror um, and think about their own behavior. And then there's a lot of people who look in the mirror and can't believe that they were the victims of this behavior. Uh, and it's dirty. It's gross. Um, and it, it, it goes all the way from the bottom all the way to the top. And so I'm ready to see that dirty laundry start to get cleaned. And will, will we ever be able to have an art form in a business um, that doesn't have that i don't think so i really don't because people in positions of power will manipulate yeah. people who are vulnerable you could never eradicate it right is what you're saying but i am glad that we've given people the a platform a platform and the uh confidence to know that their voice will be heard and that action will be taken um so that's one thing that i'm looking forward to in 2018 absolutely yeah, pretty it's pretty sorry, George. To go ahead. Off, go ahead. But it's pretty impressive how. I mean, I I don't think there's actually a woman, including myself. I don't think there's a woman I know who has not been affected. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that there aren't men that are also affected as well. And it's really, you know, it's disappointing. It's in so many different businesses, and so many different forms of, of art, or just you know anywhere. And it's, I'm glad it's coming. I'm glad it's coming to light, but. I want I want actual movement to happen, you know. Yeah. And I think that Levine going away is a big step towards progress. Well, because it shows that no one really should be or is safe from repercussions. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's an important step in moving forward. You know that it happened at the top, which was uh, stunning in a lot of ways. Uh, to have one, someone who's as revered as he is, and to have that happen and have the Met of all places, the Mecca, uh, if you will. And I know that we everybody has opinions on what goes on actually on the stage there, but the bottom line is that's the biggest budget, that's the biggest house, that is where the best singers arguably go. And to have it happen there, um, and with that, with his handprints being over the last 40 years there, lets everyone know that this is this is not going to be tolerated. And I think and they that, set an example. Yeah. They're setting an example for everyone, which is more than our own government. Well, and unfortunately, they also set the example that they would hide it. Well, 
perhaps they were hiding it. But, you know, I mean, and so it's it's a double-edged sword. Like, yeah, they're setting an example by saying, you know what, that's not a precedent we will allow now that it's out, now that the accusations have been out. But also, I think uh, it is problematic knowing that it was possibly happening for as long as it was. And, and it'll be interesting to find out, you know, moving forward, who do what. And what happens uh, when those things come to light? It's no question that is the biggest story of 2017. And we are just at the tip of the iceberg, I think, on on what those repercussions are in, in any field. But in the field that we love, which is opera, how that is going to filter down and trickle down in the coming months and the coming years. Giovanna, before we let you go, what are you working on right now? What's what's coming up for you? What's What's next? What's happening? Oh my gosh, you know what? This has been my year of a break as as a performer and where Toby is finding love and joy performing, I'm finding love and joy not performing. Hmm. Um, and so I don't have any projects that I'm involved with as a singer, um, but small projects here and there that I'm involved with on the back end and that's that's where I'm at right now. Thank you so much for coming back, You're JoJo, welcome. on the show. You're so welcome. It's great to hear your Bye, voice. Bye, George. You're beautiful. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Just pure class, Giovanna. Oh, yeah. She just, she, first of all, she always looks fantastic. Yes. You know, she just dresses perfectly. It's that, the French side of her. You, what I appreciated about Giovanna uh, with this show is that she put up with you and I and provided <laughs> a balance that wasn't necessarily there. Because we could, we could really... F some stuff up, yeah, you and true. I, if we wanted it's to true. just sit here and go around talking for a long time. So it was nice, you know, she was on this show giving us that balance and <laughs> a perspective that we don't have. <laughs> After the break, our creative consultant, Oliver Camacho, and our newest co-host, Matt Cummings, are going to join us on the show. It's Opera Box Score on WNUR, 89.3 FM. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Whether you're allergic to opera or you're a devoted fan, our show is for you. We tackle the week's opera headlines and body slam them into a sports radio setup. The result, 60 minutes of play-by-play analysis, exclusive interviews, and scandalous opinions. Plus the heroes, villains, and stats from this crazy art form that we love and love to complain about. Join us for Opera Box Score Monday nights at 9 on WNUR. Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. That's what you're listening to. It's Opera Box Score, America's talk radio show about opera on WNUR 89.3 FM. The 100th episode of Opera Box Score. I, I tear when I say that, when I had this crazy idea back in 2015. And here we are doing our 100th show. They haven't always been on WNUR. It started off as a podcast. It was kind of week on, week off. Soon, you know, I, we pitch the guys and gals over here at, at Northwestern where everybody who's active on our team went to Northwestern, which I kind of love. Tobias, right? Nerdwestern. Nerd We're Western. all here with uh, our degrees. And so we were able to do the weekly show Mondays at 9 o'clock, just so you're catching everything from the weekend, all the shows and all the news over the weekend. And here we are talking opera, talking sports. 
relatively early on in opera box scoredom, we interviewed Oliver Camacho, and then very soon after that, we added him to the show. Oliver Camacho, it's great to have you. And now we are big opera podcasting, uh, squashing all of the competition like Walmart. (laughs) Who's left anymore besides us? What is our tagline? We're the only talk show about opera period yeah yeah every week except the next two weeks because it's christmas and new year's understood yes exactly <laughs> well i mean of course uh, op- opera now was the king for however 10 yes. years yes i'm a traitor and well you're not really a traitor you just that was i mean let's be honest that was winding down and then and you just you you kept the jam going you just came over here yeah, i mean it's I, a if it's different it's I a different feel i'm not i'm not clear, saying the, t- the two shows are the same um the world the world needs your voice oliver Aww. i mean there's i'll give a shout out to the indie opera podcast which is in new york i haven't listened to it in a while um although i do know one of the people on that team um I feel like that's more interview-based. I mean, it's a podcast, so it's much more edited. Again, live radio. This, it's Part of this is a performance. I mean, I certainly feel like I play an extension of myself on this show. Everything I say is truthful and honest. There is nothing on this show that I wouldn't say to anyone's face when I'm talking about that. Mm-hmm. This is about hating. Hmm. This is about trying to improve this art form and trying to hold people accountable and have a real conversation about how we can make opera better in this country. Okay. No, uh, I'll yeah. get off my I'll get off my yeah. soapbox now, yeah. but that's that's what the show is. So Oliver, you joined us in what was 2016, uh, I think, right? Um, early on in 2016, I'd have to go back to the OBS archives on that. But let's get right to the chase. We're talking about the highs and lows of 2017. What for you were some of the highs? Well, one of my favorite stories of the year was uh, it happened early in the year uh, on March 20 or March 19th, I should say. Um, one of our uh, guests on Opera Box Score uh, was Arya Nussbaum Cohn, uh, and he had just won uh, the Met Opera National Council editions. I forget exactly what day the show went up, but the contest was on the 19th. And we interviewed him, I think, like the next day or the day after that. Um, and he has since, his star has risen since. But I felt very fortunate to have met him just like a week or two before he got into the finals at the Met. Because he was singing in a concert here in Chicago. Right. And so I had, you know, the audacity to like be his friend, of course. I, that's anybody I meet, like Facebook friend me. And then it was easy for me to ask him for the interview. And he was so gracious in the middle of his crazy, crazy, you know, all the media coming out about him that he took the time out uh, to uh, be interviewed by us. And I, I cherish that interview. And I'm so happy for what's happening for Arya. Um, just a great guy. And if you follow him on social media, you see he's just he's got one of those spirits that just seems to be grateful about what's happening to him. And he's an excellent musician, and he's got a beautiful voice, and he's the type of person you want to cheer for in the opera world. You've certainly done the lion's share of the interviewing. Uh, you did. I know I'm so bad at with, it too. <laughs> well, with uh, Matthew Polanzani, you did that yeah. interview. We got um, Regula Mulemann this year. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, we had Lydia Jankowskaya this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. I interviewed uh, Stuart Copeland. When COT was doing his show, and William Bolcom, and, and Bill Bolcom yeah. as well, yeah, both of and those also the guys are Mark really cool. Campbell, uh, no, I think that might have been Mathen, Mathen okay. actually. Yeah, not that Mark wouldn't have been on the show, but I think I think that was one of Mathen's 
Um, oh, you interviewed Kevin Newberry, didn't you? Yes, I interviewed yeah. Kevin as well. Was that yeah. this year? I forget. Yes, yes. All of those guys were really just super entertaining. And they all, I mean, obviously they said yes to being interviewed because they were. But I was, I'm always surprised, I guess. When people I, say yes to us? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I just feel like, uh, you know, people, it's easier to say no. But it's like when you're a waiter in a fine dining restaurant okay. and that's like your first time selling an expensive bottle of wine and you can't believe that people bought it. Like, oh my God. Bought that $300 bottle of wine. They're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what, what for you, Oliver, were some of the, the highlight performances this year? Well, I have um, one major highlight of the year, which happens to have occurred over the course of three days, and I talked about it all summer long, which is the Monteverdi 450 engagement at the Harris Theater. And there were two moments that we're going to listen to uh, that are like on the opposite ends of the spectrum emotionally, but that impacted me so profoundly and the reason why these moments collectively are my favorite of the year is that they did what opera is supposed to do um everything leading up to these moments was entirely engaging there was lots of beauty there was lots of excitement but uh there was you know maybe sadness or humor or whatever it was that you know cracked open my heart to make it you know prepare it for something very impactful and the first moment we're going to hear is uh, Christian Adam, the Polish tenor who uh, sang the role of Orfeo in the opening night of the Monteverdi trilogy. And this is the famous messenger scene where uh, the messenger comes in to tell Orfeo that his wife got bit by a snake and she's dead. And um, he Spoilers. just has, Yeah, I know. He just has one response, one word. He says, oi me. And you can actually find this on YouTube, not the uh, Harris Theater production, because that wasn't film, but early on in the tour, they made uh, films of it uh, from La Fenice. So we'll actually listen to the La Fenice performance from June of 2017. And in this case, the messenger is sung by the French contralto Lucille Richardot. And once again, Orfeo is Christian Adam. So um, I hope you go and find the video of this uh, that happens at about like the 30-minute mark of the opera. And Christian Adam singing the word oime just in that moment, uh, you have to watch him do this. I mean, he, he sings it. He, he does the musical rhetoric of it perfectly, but physically he's so involved in it. And he's literally doubled over 
and he's on his knees. And I remember like crying so hard just watching him mm. just uh, just let out that one utterance. It was devastating. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, the last night of the last uh, performance of the engagement was Popea, uh, Monteverdi's final opera. And there's an amazing scene that happens in the first act of Popea where um, Nero tells Seneca that he has to commit suicide because he's, you know, he's defied him. And they're having this argument. And um, yeah, he says, I'm going to marry you know, Popeye, whether you like it or not. And Justin Kim, countertenor, uh, went for this, you know, it's not super high as a high note. It's like probably just like a high A or something like that. But just the way he like really like let loose and just like let his voice as much as voice as possible, almost violent singing, so, so angry. The opposite of like the vulnerability and the tenderness of Christian Adam. This is like pure rage, pure passion. And luckily, Justin Kim also had an amazing uh, counterpart in this scene, which was the uh, the bass, Gianluca Burrato, the Italian bass. Um, the version of it that we heard at the Harris Theater was actually better than this recording from La Fenice, video from La Fenice, but the Fenice performance was also fantastic. Here is Justin Kim and Gianluca Burrato. So for those of you who are in the audience uh, that afternoon at the Harris Theater, I'm sure you remember that moment as well. It was incredible. Uh, I felt like so shaken at the moment. I, I, mean, I wanted to like scream and interrupt that moment and applaud because it was like a sport. Mm. Mm. But I keep on my phone uh, a list, like a running list of all the things that I've seen in the over the course of the year that made me feel something. And I see probably like three times as many things as I make notes on. But early on in the year, uh, on January 14th, I saw the lyric production of Magic Flute. And the person who held the top spot for this year-end list that I like to do 
uh, held that spot all the way up until October. And that is the coloratura American soprano named Catherine Lewick singing Queen of the Night. I just want to play a little bit of the, uh, you know, the allegro section of the first aria because it was technically spectacular. Uh, and I always give plaudits to people who can sing technically, spectacularly, such a difficult piece of music and do it with like panache. Uh, this is from a, a, a performance she did years ago, but it sounded pretty much like this. Maybe it sounded even better. Opera box score on WNUR 89.3 FM. It's our 100th episode. We're reminiscing about our past shows and we're reminiscing about 2017 that's been in the books. That was Oliver Camacho picking two to th well, three different performances, right? It was yeah, three. It was three. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was two was from three, Monteverdi, yeah. 450. Uh, Tobias Wright with me as well. We had Giovanna Jacques on the show earlier. The most recent addition to our team is Matt Cummings. You guys have heard him on the show in the past. Matt, welcome back tonight. Thank you, George. It's great to be back again. It's funny that you guys were talking about opera now, actually, because that was a lot of how I got into opera back in the Aww. day, back when I was an undergrad. I stumbled across that podcast, so I knew Oliver and his opinions way before I ever <laughs> met the man that he is. <laughs> the man before he tried to seduce me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, Matt. Well, let's let's hear your take on you know in terms of performance, what has been a high or a low for you in 2017. So one of my favorite things that I saw in 2017 was at, at the Lyric, which is really where I saw most things this year, just kind of by by happenstance, and you know living in Chicago and all, uh, and. That was the production of Eugene Onegin that they did at the end of last season. And I really, really enjoyed this production because it felt like one where all of the pieces fell into place, which doesn't always happen in most live performances. Uh, to start with, I love the Robert Carson kind of Autumn Leaves production of it because it is so atmospheric without really using 
any atmosphere. It's all about bold colors and empty space and a lot and the characters. And so it takes good singing and good acting to bring it alive. And that was what we had. And it was a combination of, uh, you know, bigger name stars like Marius Kvechen and uh, those who haven't been recorded or necessarily gotten the same amount of exposure. And two of my favorite singers that I've encountered in recent years, uh, Ana Maria Martinez and Charles Castronovo, both, I thought, knocked it out of the park. Uh, and Ana Maria Martinez is kind of a hometown favorite in Chicago. And this, uh, I, I picked a clip, I found a clip of her singing. Hey, Matt, just how difficult is it to sing in Russian? I have, I tried to learn a couple years ago, and it is just a monster to get your mouth around all of those consonants, especially if it's not, if you're, if you're not familiar with it. There's a lot of sounds in Russian that don't really show up in the other big singing languages, and... Uh, or that we we don't make in English at absolutely all. Absolutely, that too. It's ridiculous. I mean, we sing in foreign languages a lot, and I would say that learning to sing Russian and trying to make some of the sounds is the most difficult. I mean, it really is like feeling like a toddler. I have never felt so tongue-tied <laughs> as I have just trying to sing a two-page Russian song, and you have to sound everything out so so slowly i it, it was a while it, it had been a while since i felt like i had to totally start from scratch like that uh compared to russian diction <laughs> thanks for sharing the onyegin clip there for me my highlights at least in chicago because i didn't travel overseas in 2017 were norma at lyric opera of chicago that opera is near and dear to my heart it's one of the first operas i was ever in and i i love the music of it i thought kevin newbury's production was beautifully simply designed Sandra Ravinovsky singing the title role as well. And then at COT last season, I loved Invention of Morale. I talked about interviewing Stuart Copeland. I just really got into that piece. And because I love Philip Glass, I thought Perfect American was a great choice as well. So those are shows. I saw both of those with my dad, too. And if, if you listen to the show, you know that my dad, he comes in from Michigan, and, and we go on like a, a father-son 
evening out. We go get hamburgers and we go to the opera and we have a drink and it's just, it's a ton of fun. Uh, hey, we got the two-minute drill coming up after this. We got some more reminiscing to do and we'll be talking more about the highs and lows of opera in 2017. Stick around for our hot takes on all of that. Opera Box Score, WNUR 89.3. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Give me 60 more seconds of your time so I can share a secret with you. When I tell people about Opera Box Score, they always ask, how come we're a live talk radio show, not just a podcast? The answer? We want to give listeners like you the chance to call into our show and have your opinion heard live on air. It's easy. Stream our show live on WNUR.org slash pop-up on Mondays at 9 p.m. Central Time. Then, give us a call during the broadcast with your take on what we're talking about. The number? 847-866-WNUR. Wait, do people even have letters on their phones anymore? 847-866-9687. Talk to you later. This just in, the two-minute drill. Time now for everything you need to know from the past week in Opera Land. Calgary Opera has announced the appointment of a new general director and CEO, effective January 2018. Dr. Keith Cerny will come to Calgary from the Dallas Opera, where he was the general director and CEO from 2010 until the present. An article in USA Today earlier this week begins, quote, lifting weights started as a habit for Brandon Jovanovich when he played football and he never gave it up. Because of his strength and height, he stands 6'3", same as basketball player Steph Curry. The tenor's often asked to play roles that are more physical. Quote, the article goes on to talk about uh, Jovanovich's preparation for Die Valkyra at Lyric Opera of Chicago. The ringleaders of a karaoke night in New York on the Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend were none other than the mezzo-soprano Susan Graham and the tenor Paul Groves. We'd spent the day rehearsing Lehar's The Merry Widow, which runs at the Metropolitan Opera next month. In recent years, they made a habit of organizing karaoke nights with castmates around their appearances together in cities throughout the world. American tenor Nicholas Fahn has joined the faculty at the DePaul School of Music, and on this day, in 1826, it was the premiere of The Macropolis Affair by Leos Janacek. That was in Brno, and that's your two-minute drill. Opera class, sports radio crass. This is Opera Box Score. What you're listening to, all right, WNUR 89.3 FM, Full House tonight. The new fearsome foursome, the fab five without one. George Cedarquist, Tobias Wright, Oliver Camacho, Matt Cummings. Boys, it's so great to have you here. We don't want to be fearsome. We want to be loving. <laughs> the, the lovely. Yeah. The, the fearsome for the. It doesn't. It's got to start with ever a been any, Have anyone ever called themselves the Fab Four before? Yeah. I think that's that's brand new, right? The, How about the fondling four? The, the cuddly not. quad. <laughs> <laughs> before we go, before we go into uh, responses to the two minute drill, do you think we have time to hear one more clip of music? Yeah, you bet. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I feel like Matt had a good setup for this his last clip. And Take it away, Matt. What's on your mind? Oh, so oh, do, do, do you have it, George? I got yeah. Okay, I got everything, baby. Okay. I'm prepared, <laughs> you Boy Scout over here. The uh, the other thing that I I I, I will say a, a shining star and maybe a little bit more of a diamond in the rough production that I saw this fall was uh, Rosa Feola at the Lyric Opera of Chicago and uh, her Caronome. I've never heard an audience in an opera house be so quiet. No one coughed, no one shuffled their program, yeah. no one sniffled, no one whispered loudly to their neighbor about what time the train was gonna leave, all things that have happened. And they were all awake. Yeah, and everyone was awake. They, they just went insane after this. Here's a clip of uh, Rosa Feola singing the beginning of Carnome. That was taken from like a Christmas concert in the Italian Senate, right? <laughs> she looks totally out of place in that YouTube clip, but she sounds fantastic. Well, the production to me was sort of a stinker, um, and it did feature Matthew Polanzani singing his heart out as the Duke. But I yeah. do think that she stole the show, and I think I said this in my review that she's sort of a perfect singer, which is actually a criticism. Uh, I think she needs to become a little bit more like fearless and reckless. It's too clean, you mean? It was very clean and yeah. very well prepared, but yeah. she sounded exquisite. Yeah. And like Matt said, it was a pristine performance and the audience was completely engaged. So, And that's that's what you got to do. Because Math Matthew Polanzani always gives pretty immaculate performances yeah. too. So to out, yeah. to out perfect him is, yeah. <laughs> is yeah. an achievement. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm trying to think of an opera where everything needs to be absolutely sort of clean and pure and perfect, but but the b majority of operas are all about human nature I, I and think the nasty side of life. I think you misunderstand. Life. I think that the role of um, Gilda has to be like technically perfect. Okay. But there also has to be passion and excitement, and there are moments for Gilda to grow up yeah. in the show. Early on in the show, she has like this. Uh, potential this possibility this aria to do something that's just like that, that exquisite but it's got to develop from that point you know agreed so and Poland's on I don't I mean I'm a huge fan of Polanzani I can't really disparage him at all but it was just so easy for Polanzani in a way mm. it took away some of the excitement because he was almost too nice yeah and you never <laughs> feel that there's any risk that he's gonna crack I mean like one part of the excitement of hearing the Duke is that it's written on the passaggio. The whole role is written on the passaggio, you know? And he's just so good at singing there that, you know, you never feel like he's he's hurting himself or he's, you know, he's taking a chance, you know? Going on to the two-minute drill then, we don't have a ton of time. Uh, this karaoke night that was in New York, I wonder, like, 
how did people know about it? Did people could people just in the general public show up, and or how did they, they get a like New York? A, how did they get a New York Times photographer in there? Okay, that's 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 easy. Seems that's little, easy. Yeah. You just know someone at the Met just like They're calls the Times and they just, right they just get that. But like, I I can't imagine just knowing that was going to happen in advance and being able to show up and hang with amazing opera singers doing you know Queen and. Um, Pat well, Benatar. there is this group in Chicago, and it's in other cities called Opera on Tap. So yeah. if you actually would like to do that, <laughs> but but is that karaoke? I, I no, don't no, know. No, that's it's true. not. That's it's not, not that's karaoke. Yes, yeah, exactly. Toby, uh, you're about to say something. I feel. I feel it. Uh, just opera singers singing karaoke bores me out of my mind. Why? I usually <laughs> think it's not good because I don't know how to sing into a microphone. So I'm I'm terrible at stuff like that. Why does that bore you? Well, I mean, I, it's just, it's to me, it's like a cliche that I'm just not interested. I don't I, you know. But I'm you, an opera you singer. You love pop music. I, come on, don't throw me under the bus. I do. Actually, you know what? I, I do. I did once. Under the bus, I did once sing karaoke in Chicago. Okay. And I will tell you why. Yeah. I was in a bar, <laughs> like all of my stories, uh, and there was karaoke going on, and this lady started to sing the prayer. Uh, you know the duet, Andre Bocelli and Sarah Brightman. Yeah, yeah, but it is she Celine was Dion. Oh, Celine Dion yeah. and Josh Check Groban. Uh, <laughs> but so she started singing it, and I was like, "What the hell? This lady can't sing a duet by herself." And I went up, grabbed a microphone, and sang with her, and she was like weeping at the end, and oh, it was hilarious. Wow. She was in town for a teachers' conference, okay. and I was like, "Why would you do that?" Anyway, karaoke <laughs> opera singers. I, I was just gonna ask you. Device like what your go-to that karaoke song was. Hold a second, that would have been the best meet cute story if she was not in town for a conference, or if you yeah. had the balls to follow her wherever she lives. Well, <laughs> I didn't. I don't. Uh, wait, what, were you, what would my go-to be? I don't know. Something boys to men. Okay, perfect. I'm more of a Billy Joel type of guy. I would sing like she's yeah. Yeah, yeah, Billy Joel's uh, a great choice, actually. Yeah. I tried to sing Take On Me one time. Guess what? I don't know any of the words yeah. to the verses of Take On Me, and Matt, they come on real Can you do rapid karaoke? I'm sure. I've yeah, always wanted to don't sing. Don't do Baby Got Back. No, no, no. I would do like something dude. super impressive, like Bone Thugs in Harmony. I would sing uh, Sandra Dee's aria from the opera Grease, hopelessly <laughs> devoted <laughs> <laughs> to the opera yeah. grease. <laughs> it's gonna be an opera one day. You'll opera see. Grease. Um, Oliver, you wanted to talk about this appointment at the DePaul well, School I'm of just, Music. So Nick Pond is like it's hilarious because like Nick Pond's my friend, but uh, he seems to be having the career that I want ever since he became anybody. You know, winning the Met Council audition, or he actually he was like not he was like got encouragement award or something like that, mm. and then doing Rossini early on in his career, then really focusing on art song and being a part of a lot of, you know, uh, the art song scene, both in Chicago and in New York and uh, getting all these oratorio assignments. Like he's done evangelists and, you know, he often gets cast as lead tenor in various Handel oratorios and whatnot. Like, that's what I want to do. That's the type of singing that I really care about. Uh, and I feel that I could do. And now he's taken the next step which is to get appointed uh, as faculty mm. of a music conservatory because that's really the dream. We all dream about like having this major career, but really what we want is like a steady job <laughs> with and, summers like, off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like that's you can true. move in and like have a house and like true. and you could be like the benevolent teacher who like has people over and like tell them stories about when James Levine touched you or something. <laughs> <laughs> you can afford all the scarves that a young diva or diva needs yeah. to keep warm. I remember going to my one of my mentors' house when I was in college and just being so amazed at like her career. This was Angelina Rayo, um, the the singer who was on the uh, La Boheme that Bernstein conducted. 
Uh, and just like hearing all her stories about like, you know, Leonard Bernstein and Ed Roram and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I know Is that Jerry Nick, Hadley on that recording. Yeah. yeah. And Barbara okay. Daniels. And Thomas Hampson. Yeah. Uh, I know that Nick Pond has stories and he's too young to like be like mentoring, mm. you know, 18 year old gay kids. But soon enough, you know. Soon enough, it'll be fine. <laughs> I don't normally read USA Today, more of a Washington Post type of guy, but drink. I, I did love. No, dude, you don't drink just because someone says Washington. Does Post. anyone read USA Today outside <laughs> yeah. of like hotel hallways? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, it's, it's a beautifully put Post, together actually. paper. I, I loved that article Digital about awesome too, Brandon Jovanovich. So. I did too. First of all, I didn't know I mean, Steph Curry was six three. What did you think? He was shorter? Oh, I thought he was taller. Oh, no, he's a little And that's guy. not, that, I'm not hating on Jovanovich. I just. <clears throat> this is the perfect story for Opera Box Score because it's sporty. I, it hello. is. It, it is. And you know, it's interesting. I didn't okay, know that Jovanovich on. played football, college football. He's from was Central he a Illinois. He was a quarterback. He was a linebacker. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he played at like North Dakota State and then quit and moved to Montana or yeah, something he, he like that. He played like D2 football. He I has mean, a good buttocks for a tenor. Yeah, yeah. He's I like suffer very from the, I like suffer from the tenor so. uh, no butt. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but your six pack dog is like no nope. <laughs> washboard. <laughs> no, nope. is what I would be you saying. Were, you, you were pretty good shape gym, for Lucrezia. Bones. <laughs> you were not in disgusting shape for Lucrezia. <laughs> that's that's because I starved myself. I call that the poverty diet. <laughs> the article in USA Today really points out how physically punishing it is to to do these. <clears throat> Shows. I mean, it makes the point that Valkyra is this extremely long opera, but mm. but regardless of the length of the opera, you know, regardless of the staging, well, it's, twice, it's physically punishing. Well, right? I've always, you know, I had a my mentor and voice teacher in college knew that I played sports all the time, and so he always, always have I related singing to being a very physical uh, activity, and I've always kind of thought of practice and then performance. You know, those are you're engaged and you're mentally engaged, too. And this actually touches on that as well. When you do a performance and especially, you know, if you're doing uh, the Valkyrie, I mean, you're exhausted afterward, physically, mentally, probably a little bit emotionally. I mean, he has to die. And like if you're really invested, that's a lot to go through in a single night. You know, you have to like rape your sister. Yes. And and part of the whole thing of that is, is you're working, you're sweating bullets up there trying to make everything work. But Ideally, you want to make it look like you're not. Right. It's supposed to look and sound easy Never let for, for everyone hear. to be comfortable. Yeah. Don't let them hear you work. That's a and that you know that applies to sports too. It's like when you see a, a QB throw the ball sixty yards, or you see someone a, a, a tight end dive and just mm-hmm. catch the ball, and they make it look like nothing. Right. That's when you have that, as Matt says, you you. <laughs> You're just in awe of that physicality, whether that's sports or whether that's singing opera. Well, one of my New Year's resolutions is to be more kind next year. But since we're oh, still in 2017, I'm going to say that um, this article seems to have been published on December 15th, like a full like two weeks after the last performance of the Valkyrie. But they're talking about it as if it's happening in the future. So. Oh, that's odd. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in 2018, we won't <laughs> criticize that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey guys, let's uh, Canada, Canada. Oh, you want to wrap the show? Just like go? the guy from Dallas is now in Canada, and you know he had the Santa Claus opera and what other commission did he do? I forget. They they're known. For, the Dallas was known for kind of like American Ford, you know. Well, they had all the Ford. workshops there for yeah. all the yeah. all the brand new sh- shows. So he's leaving Dallas to do that in Canada. Maybe we're gonna have more Canada forward operas. You it know? just this seems like a sideways career move. I don't. I don't know how else to put it. Dallas Opera is I think he's smart for getting out of the U.S. That's what I'm talking about. Dude, Calgary? 
I know, but the Justin Calgary Trudeau? Stampede. Healthcare? That's literally all I know about. The, okay, so you're saying everything around the actual art making is what you're talking about. Canada's awesome. But he's got the chance to really grow a company again. And that's a prime minister with the buttocks, let me tell you. Okay, let's wrap <laughs> the show up. Good call. Bad call. On Opera Box Score. It goes as fast as ever. Even though it's the 100th episode, it just goes like that. I just snapped my fingers. Good call, bad call. Matt has one. Matt's got I one. I do. I've got okay. a bad. We're, we're going to go newest to oldest then. I got a bad call, and that is the fact that this tax bill that's being rushed through the government right now, not to get political, but this tax bill is definitely going to affect the way that arts organizations receive funding because when you mess with deductions and things like this, there's no way that those charitable deductions are going to stay the same from year to year. So stay vigilant out there, folks. Stay vigilant and get on the phone and start calling um, your senators and your representatives. I have a good call um, since we're going in reverse order of who got hired for the show first. Um, I, um, as you know, I, I'm the editor of a website called Vocal Arts Chicago, and I'm going to do my full top 10 list of my favorite performances of the year, uh, probably the week between December 26th and New, Year's, and New Year's Day. So look out for that and like me on Facebook. That's awesome, Oliver. We'll put a link and in real life. to that. Uh, I will only like you on Facebook. <laughs> on our website. Lick me on Facebook. <laughs> Tobias Wright, my friend. What do you got? Well, I have a good call. We made it to 100 shows. I think that's fantastic. And in my head, I just thought about how many hours we've put into this. And you've put in like 14 times uh, as much effort as yeah. I have into being a part of the show. But my good call is that it is the Christmas season. And if you're a singer and you're in one of the cities, that means you're singing a lot. That means you're probably going to get paid double for a couple services. So make sure you stay healthy. Have happy holidays with your family if you do get to go home. And if not, enjoy your eggnog at home. I got some eggnog waiting for me at home. Along with my little lady, my little lady. Tobias Wright, always on the lookout for, for singers and their health. Uh, my good call is nothing more than opera box score. Thank you all so much for listening to this show. If you've donated, thank you. If you've had an idea bounced off you, thank you. If you have interviewed on this show, if you've come into the studio, thank you. We got a lot more to do with this show. It's going to continue to grow. I got high hopes. I got big dreams. I think it's going to happen. It's going to happen because of the people in this studio with me, and it's going to be because of the people listening. That's it for this week's edition of America's Talk radio show about opera, period. The general manager at WNUR is Nick Anderson. Our announcer is Norm Waddell. Thanks a ton, Norm, for everything that you do. You can visit Norm on the web at boxershorts.com, V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. Our theme song, Vodka Inferno, written performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. Be sure to share and comment on our posts. On Twitter, we're at Opera Box Score. And you can always leave a review when you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For our co-hosts, Tobias Wright and Matt Cummings, and for our past co-host, Giovanna Jacques, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera, whatever, wherever, however you celebrate this season of light. And speaking of celebrations, of course, it's our 100th show. We're going to celebrate by taking two weeks off. Hey, look, people, we've earned it, okay? We're back on Monday, January 9th, 9 p.m. Central. More interviews, new segments, our hot takes on everything opera-related. Argo Radio is up next. This is WNUR-FM, Evanston, Chicago, Chicago's sound experiment.